This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today, it's my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I am doing wonderful. I am in LA. I am like somewhat near the beach where I'm staying because of where the Rams and Chargers practice at, which is a great excuse to be over in this area known as Laguna Beach. My first time here (laughs) in my life. And I was like, yeah, I can understand why they did a TV show about high schoolers here because it is just gorgeous. But I am, I'm wonderful. I'm, my batteries are recharged. I am so fired up for the show, fired up for camp. Uh, Ask me in about, 14 weeks when it's like week 10 but right now i am beyond excited for football excited to see you too buddy you and beller that was there was sight for sore eyes after a, a long break it's great to see you. uh it's i'm glad you feel that good because i'm on day <laughs> day 10 of my travels here before i go home tomorrow uh, i'm in atlanta uh it's been a good uh, visit with the falcons been really enjoying it uh it's been a great start to training camp it's so fun to be around these teams and be talking to these teams and just get a sense of how everyone's feeling spoiler alert everyone feels pretty good before they've lost the game in the NFL. So it's kind of where we are right now. Everybody's going to be an all-pro. Everyone's going to be a pro bowler. Well, guess what? It's fitting that that's the tenor of this conversation and the tenor Mm -hmm. of what's going on right now because we are going to talk about some rosy outlooks today. We are going to predict the top 10 offenses in the Mm -hmm. NFL, each of our top 10 offenses in the NFL, by DVOA, EPA, however you want to do it, right? Yeah. By some sort of success rate, who will finish as the top 10 offenses in the NFL? Earlier today, you tweeted out, half-jokingly, that when yeah. you tried to make this list, you had over half the league. Yep. This I, was yep. incredibly hard. <laughs> it was. Uh, and it's it funny was. because last year, I remember last year I was on the road and we were doing this too and doing it from some hotel room in some random place in America. I had a hard time getting to 10 because there were so many teams with new quarterbacks and things in flux. And hilariously, I think two of the final top 10 teams on our list were the Broncos and the Colts. And we threw them on there because we were kind of like, ah, I guess this makes sense. And then both of those teams finished as two of the worst offenses in football. But the more important thing is we had a hard time landing on 10 teams last year. This year, you could make an argument truly. For half the teams in the NFL, there are some yep. teams I'm leaving off of here that I can't even believe that I'm leaving off of this list. But I had to do it because that's how difficult it was to pare it down. It, it, that's that's exactly it. I remember the Colts conversation last year because it's like if you squint, you can see it. You can maybe eh, see it. Matt and- Ryan, they've been pretty good. Yeah, and we threw the Ram- the Rams and the Bucks were easy ones for us. We're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah more of the same. But that's how hard this is. And the thing was that was. Really, yeah, like seven teams we felt okay about last year. I seriously, I put this down, and when I started numbering off, I said half teams. It's seventeen teams that That's I exactly I how many I have basically have notes on that I could just like. If this was debate class, and you're like, "Hey, make an argument for this team," it's like, "Got it, let's go." But it's there. It, that's how hard it was. I and just like you, I would say there's really three teams, but two for sure that I at first were easily in my top ten, and as I did the work, I slowly dropped them, and I'm shocked. That I dropped them. So hopefully my argument makes some sense and we'll see as we talk it out. But it it's I think as a neutral football fan, us doing this show or anybody who enjoys the NFL, it's gonna be a fun year for offenses. It, it just so many interesting teams and just different ways they're going about it. So it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about a lot of fun to watch this year. Who is the spiciest one that you left off your list? The Dolphins. 
I also left the Dolphins <gasps> off my list. And before, <laughs> before I get a lot of uh, 305 area code uh, <laughs> tweet, tweets oriented I, at me. I had to think so hard about it. Because in so many ways, it's just not worth drawing the ire of Dolphins fans. But after talking it out on multiple different shows this week and after thinking about it, I have my reasons, but I'm curious to hear what yours are. Mine mine are, it's not an indictment of Mike McDaniel. It's not an indictment of any of like their pass catchers or anything. I actually see what Mike McDaniel did at the end of the year before Tua got hurt and the adjustments they made. It's just I'm not betting on the health of this team. That that is why I am bearish on them. Is they, it's none of these guys stay healthy, <laughs> and yeah. so that's where I could see some ebbs and flows of the season where they might just like last year, first half of the season, it's like holy crap, they looked like the '98 Vikings, like they they are just bombs away on everybody. But as the season went along, two got banged up, yada yada yada. So that's why I ended up kind of dropping them off. And really, if they finish top five, I am not surprised whatsoever. But just for me, I think it's just the long-term health of the season adjustments defenses are going to make to what they were doing. And I do think that Mike McDaniel made some tweaks, but I just I don't know if that is enough. I will have to see it through a 17-game season. I've talked about this on multiple shows this week. Talked about it with Sando, talked about it with Barnwell. Knew I was going to have to trot it out again because I'd come to this conclusion where they weren't in my top 10. The health is obviously a question, and it extends yeah. beyond Tua. Teron yep. Armstead played 10 games again last year. He was banged up in games that he did end up playing. Their swing tackle, Isaiah Wynn, he's also struggled to stay healthy. He was on the that's pup list before the MO. season even started. He started practicing again, and he's back on the field. But even if they have an injury at one of those tackle spots, you can't even rely on the guys that are their backups. Austin Jackson, their starting right tackle, has struggled to stay healthy. So the offensive line health to his health obviously is a concern. But I keep coming back to what their passing game looked like in those four games at the end of the season when he was even healthy. I've said this again multiple times on shows this week. They were dead last in passing success rate from weeks 13 to 18 when he was on the field. And there are some fluky interceptions, and that's not even what I'm talking about. It's success rate. It's down-to-down yes. down success. They were not consistent. When teams were willing to challenge them at the line of scrimmage and disrupt the timing of those plays, he struggled to not play on time. When you're not ta- when you're taking away the first place he wants to go with the football, that passing game does not look the same. And it led to some more explosive plays because teams were daring them to kind of take some of those shots over the top. And there were some long touchdowns and they missed some even more long touchdowns, but I just am not convinced that just because he's back healthy, they're going to hit the ground running and be this all cylinders firing passing offense. And yeah. their running game should be a bigger part of what they do this year. Teams are daring them to run the ball. And we haven't seen them be a monstrous run game when they have these advantageous boxes. So there are just enough questions to me based on what they looked like in the second half of last season that even if I do have some faith in Mike McDaniel and the staff, which I do. I still have enough reservations that I just wasn't willing to put them on here, which seems that's, crazy, but that's kind of where I landed. They, when I f- did my initial, initial list, like just off the top of my head, how I would rank them before I started diving, they were sixth. And then I've dropped them basically to 12th. And, and once it was all said and done, if I had to put a number on it. And just what you said with the efficiency, that's the one, that's the stat I had with them is that some alarm bells go off for me or when a team is middle of the pack in success rate, but strictly explosive. Yep. And the Dolphins were explosive. Uh, easily they were the still league. the most explosive offense easily. in the NFL over that four-week stretch. Still. Yep. Easily. And the passing and overall, like even if their run game was an explosive, the passing was so explosive that it carried it. And that 
leads me to some like the inefficiency or the lack of consistent efficiency. It's just hard to build a house on that is that, yes, you can get hot like that's scary in the playoffs, but it also can be a lead to a three point game because you're barely getting first downs and churning the chains. And it's third and 10 after third and 10 after third and 10, third and nine, third and 12, because first and second down just weren't moving the chains or staying ahead of the chains. And so that that was the exact kind of stat I had. But it's kind of funny, too, is that the Dolphins were the best team in avoiding three and outs last year, but they were like 20th in success rate. So they'll get that first first down and then they hit a wall, but just kind of that's just a funny kind of difference. Usually the teams that are best at three and outs are the best offenses, just yeah. period. And so there's just, you know, just a little difference there. But that is, yeah, I think I'm totally agreeing with you. It's just that lack of sustained efficiency has me just a little hesitating a little bit, especially if they have to rely on the run game. Just everything you just kind of laid out there. We've seen teams overcome this. The Bengals were are Bengals. a very good example. The Bengals were hyper-explosive two years ago, and then they tapped into this level of efficiency last season by making some tweaks within their offense. The Dolphins may do that. Mike McDaniel is a very good football coach. There may be solutions to this problem, but that's a projection. And with Mm -hmm. all of these other teams that I feel like, I don't know, I just feel a little bit better about for a bunch of different reasons, and then you throw the health wrenches into it, and it's just one more reason to be like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Are we sure? <laughs> so the Dolphins are one of mine. The other one that I, I just figured I'd throw out now that I think is probably going to make you sad. The Cowboys did not make that's, my list. That's the one. I, I They're still on my list. They're 10th. So I'll just I'll, – Perfect. Spoilers right there. But them and the, the other team, I have one that surprised you. And these were the two teams I decided between. I'll just throw it out. So we'll get to the Cowboys in a sec. And I, I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth. Is the Lions. I have them outside my – Wow. And I'm it pained me. It broke. I my have them heart. pretty far up there. And yeah. I, so this is the process I went through with the Lions. And we, we don't have to dig into this super far because we can save it for when we get to yeah. my my top I don't want to spoil it, but my top <laughs> something. I also thought, can they do this again? You know, is there can they really do this again? Jared Goff is their quarterback. We've only seen their play caller do it for one year. Yeah, they didn't add any top line weapons this year. It's a couple of rookies, and, and how good can rookies be right out of the gate? So I had all these things coming into it where like I'm just not sure. And then I went and watched them. <laughs> this is, I, I hate that you're saying this because that's what I did. I paid me. <laughs> I went I went and watched them, and there were so many aspects to the offense where I just came away thinking fuck this is good like just so many aspects to it makes sense and all the pieces fit together and some of the ways that they attack teams so we we can get into that and i think it's yeah. a worthwhile conversation because I, I had a very similar thought before we started this so it's a little bit surprising to hear you say that but i yeah. also probably understand how you got there it, even if i ultimately don't agree right before this pod i was telling you i was split between two teams and it was the cowboys and the lions so they were like my 10a 10b i guess 10 and 11 and I mean, shoot, I just even look at it, like underlying metrics. It's like they're fantastic. Like yeah. just top five DVOA, six and success rate, just a good in passing. And of course, they have a great offensive line. So even if like the rushing was more league average, I think it's going to improve because they got David Montgomery, who I think is going to be a bump up. And of course, Jameer Gibbs. So it's, I, I was, that was the easy argument. Like they easily were my top 10 when I first did this list. And then just looked at the receivers. You know, I love Amara St. Brown. Then Marvin Jones is starting. 
Ooh, and you know, Josh Reynolds is a fine auxiliary player. And guess what, here, buddy, you could be a top ten offense with Marvin Jones starting. We're going to get to (laughs) a team on this list a little bit later. It is so funny that you say all this because I had the exact same thoughts before I started watching it. And then I don't want to give too much away, but it's I totally understand where you're coming from. I'll I'll save some more for the same place for when we talk about. I'll save some more. But so trust me, Lions fans, I love you guys, and like I love the Lions offense. Like trust me, I'm going to watch them week in week out. It's just. Just had a couple of hesitations that made him, made me knock him off the list. I don't want to get too far into some honorable mentions. If we both yeah. don't land on some of these teams, maybe we'll talk about them at the end and why they didn't make the great. list. But let's start with your number 10 team because that's great because I did not have the Cowboys on there. The Cowboys yeah. were probably 11th or 12th for me. The, the Dolphins and the Cowboys were my first two off. So yep. why would you have the Cowboys at 10 and then arguably maybe not even higher considering some of the heights we've seen them reach over the last couple of years? Right. This is – well. Everyone that listens to the show knows I like Dak, but it, it's the added weapon of Brandon Cooks is really doing a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that just opens up so much with this offense. And and just looking at this offense, at first I'm like, man, you know, they don't rate as highly as I remember them. And I always do that with the Cowboys offense. And then you look at when Dak was playing and it's like, oh, there it is. You know, top five in success rate, third in passing success, success rate, only behind the Chiefs and Bills. So pretty damn good company when it's Mahomes, Josh Allen, and your offense. Like that's kind of what you want to do. Um, they weren't overly explosive, but that's where Brandon Cooks comes in. Yeah. And that's what opens it up. And truly getting a guy that could be an intermediate and deep threat with Gallup, with C.D. Lamb. And I love the synergy of those three. You got a true Z, a true slot, and a true X. That is, that's what you like in your passing game. I like their tight ends. They're, they're the Big Ten assortment of tight ends. You got, you got Wisconsin, Indiana, and two Michigan guys in their top four tight ends. It's, they, they recruit, they, they scout one area just for their, their Midwest scout gets a lot of work when they're looking at tight ends, but I like them because they're balanced. They're, they're so um, versatile. The, the yeah. fact that you have, they have four of them. They're going to keep four tight ends on the roster this year. And they're Schoonmaker hasn't practiced, so he's <laughs> going to be, who knows what his usage is going to be after they took him in the second round. But the other three guys who, the names I'm going to probably going to butcher and just okay. mix them all up again. Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, and Sean McKeon. Nice. So McKeon can kind of play that fullback role for mm-hmm. them. I think that he, they won't carry a fullback most likely, but they'll still be able to do some stuff that plays out like 21 personnel. And yep. in talking to people there, and one of my first thoughts about them was, all right, you're an 11 personnel team now. That's your best 11. You have Cooks and Gallup there now. And there was kind of a, eh, you know, yes, yeah. we'll, we'll do some of that, but we love kind of the layers that some of the tight end packages give us where we're a little bit harder to defend. And I think because they have those four guys, it gives them so many different ways so that much. they can deploy whatever 11 guys they throw out there. And I think there's a lot Absolutely. of validity to, validity to that line of thinking. I think there's going to be a, a general theme and just a lot of these top offenses in general is just the versatility of personnel and looks they, they can throw at you now. And I think so many teams are getting to that. Maybe there's one team, you know, the Bengals. I don't think that's going to surprise anyone that they're going to be up there. But it's they're one team that, you know, they live in 11. But yeah. all these other teams, they get tight ends and I don't want to say fullbacks, but tight ends and receivers and different types of receivers. They're really building these rooms out. And I like it because. Ferguson was was really nice last year. You know, of course, he's go Badgers. But just, you know, Hendershot and Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker's got some juice if he can stay, mm-hmm. if he can get on the field. With all that, those guys are all auxiliary pass catchers. So even if they're in 12 with two tight ends, Brandon Cooks could be your X and CD's your Z. And then you got to 12. And that's a great lineup. You can yeah. do so much with that. I agree. CD's a, CD's a great blocker. And again, the O-line, and then if we get to the offensive line, they got the Smith guys on the left. Uh, Biotish played really well last year. He really improved. I mean, he got named to a Pro Bowl, maybe a little 
Cowboys bump there, but you know, he's uh, at least above average at this point. Zach Martin, hopefully they work out the contract stuff. I'm sure they will. And of course, Steele's coming back at right side. So it's this offensive line, of course, is the big thing. You got Tyron Smith on there. So injuries are always going to be a thing, but But you're protected from that. Hopefully, if you could just bump Tyler Smith back outside, my concern this year is that they don't have the interior offensive line depth that they've had in years past. So now if Tyler Smith is your de facto swing tackle, if one of those guys goes down, then you don't have somebody to replace him like you did last year. I have kind of a bold take with Tyler Smith is that he'll be a pro bowler this year is, is at guard. At guard. If, if, if it works out, they all stay healthy. He stays at guard. He's going to be a pro bowler this year. And, and I, I really do think that I'm really high on him, but it's funny. You're breaking down these offenses. The weakness of the Cowboys is probably running back, even with Tony Pollard. Yeah. Is they don't have a lot of depth there and they don't have a lot of beef. <laughs> they, they short yardage might be an interesting thing with this, this team this year. That even though Zeke, Zeke is, uh, Seth Galina from PFF has a great line about Zeke. He said it's his favorite running back from negative two yards to two yards. Meaning, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you need five yards, if you need three yards, Zeke's going to get you three yards. If you need yep. five yards, Zeke's going to get you three yards. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Horde, Leroy, <laughs> Leroy Elliott. That's, that's what, that's what he is. Anyone that watches nineties football back there. But I think that is one. I, I think, you know, Tony Pollard, of course, is explosive. He's not great in pass protection. That was always his hangup, still is. So that's interesting, like, as far as how they're going to m- mitigate that and navigate that. But I think they can. And, of course, there's the Mike McCarthy alarm bell. Uh, so that, and while- that's, that you said that's their weakness. I keep coming back to we have not seen the play caller yep. with this group of players. And that's yep. ultimately what left them off my list. I get it. Because get it. you just don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. And Brian Schottenheimer is there as the offensive coordinator now. And I know McCarthy's yeah. the play caller, and that'll be the most important thing. But how much do they want to change? That little bit of uncertainty was enough for get me. It. Because even totally if there it. are some other changing factors for some of these other offenses on my list, I either think they're changing in a good way where they're upgrading or the play caller is staying the same and there are enough stabilizing forces to yep. kind of e- more easily project them. So ultimately, that was the tiebreaker with Dallas is that I like so many of these other offenses and I just don't know about Mike McCarthy. They're off. Right. No, I get it as a tiebreaker because that's my last note on them because like, I kind of had like an overall, like just a, like a quick little bullet point. Believe it or not, I try to narrow down my notes, guys. And uh, But I think with McCarthy is after we've seen kind of how Aaron Rodgers' career played out, you know, at the end of McCarthy era and after McCarthy is that some of those kind of slant flat memes might be more Aaron Rodgers driven than Mike McCarthy. But driven. you just don't know. But you just don't know. And that's, and that, the that's thing. my the la- problem. The last non Rodgers offense we saw was the 49ers with Alex Smith when they were 32nd in the NFL. So that is, and it works the other way really- too. Because the Packers were actually a top 10 offense by DVOA the last time that Mike McCarthy was their offensive court with the, mm-hmm. was the play caller there when Rodgers was healthy. But how much of that is you have Aaron Rodgers? Even yeah. if you're a little bit disappointing, you can still be eighth in DVOA. So there are just so many different questions. And I get listen, it. I if this team rolls and they're really good, maybe even better than they were last year, just put a crow in the oven and just pop it right in front of me. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to go. I will Stay be so wrong <laughs> about Mike McCarthy, and that's fine. Maybe I'm just yeah. misjudging Mike McCarthy's ability to do this at a high level. But I think Kellen Moore is widely respected for a reason. I think they did a lot of good stuff offensively. And this is a be careful what you wish for sort of deal. Uh, you, you want you wanted this, Mike? Okay, here we go. Yep. Oh, I know. The first thing he says, like, oh, he always wants to throw the ball. And it's like they had like a high run rate. It's kind of like, hmm, that's a little disconnect there. But I stuck with it. I've, I've kind of 
with the Cowboys, it's hard for me to quit them, especially I, I just think Dak will willing will them into a brutally efficient offense, just how he plays. So I just think I'm hoping that there's no stank from the coaching staff. But who'd, who'd you say you have number 10? I'm very, very curious now. The Cleveland Browns. Ah, see, they would have been like 13th on my list. <laughs> I know this might seem crazy considering the offenses that I've left off, but I mentioned this to Barnwell earlier in the week. The Browns were fourth in EPA per play on offense before Deshaun Watson started for them last year. They were fifth in offensive DVOA from weeks one to 11. If they get solid quarterback play, truly just solid quarterback play, we have seen them be a decidedly top 10 offense. Mm -hmm. So I don't, he doesn't need to be the guy he was in the last time we saw him play in Houston when I thought he might have been the second best quarterback in the league. Uh, truly, I, it, it seemed yeah. like he was on that trajectory the last time we saw him as a full time starter. He looked so off last year after the amount so of time bad. that he had spent just on the bench. And his feel for the position and his feel for the game had clearly eroded. And maybe he just never gets that back. But it sounds like they believe he's going to be better this year. And even if, again, he's not fantastic, all, he doesn't need to be. All he needs to be is a Jacoby Percet level quarterback for them to be a top 10 offense again. When you think about the supporting cast around him, the fact that the offensive line is still one of the best in the league, the running game is still going to be excellent. Amari Cooper and maybe a more pass happy offense. He had a really good year last year. So I think his production is going to maybe fall more in line with what people think of with elite receivers if they are more traditional and run pass splits this year, et cetera. I just think that so many factors line up where, again, if they just get mediocre quarterback play, why can't this offense be as good as it was with Jacoby Percet for the first two-thirds of last season? And that's yeah. a top-ten offense. Yeah, and I, that's, I understand the argument. I have the same kind of stats I looked at was – because they were a team originally I thought of as a top-ten team, and I just kind of bumped them down. And again, these teams I have left off, I, they are no – it's like any of these teams I see as a top-six offense, like not even top-ten, like really up there as an elite unit. So it's not a, a detriment to it. But it's just like watching Deshaun – and I broke down two more games the last couple of weeks uh, on paternity leave. I'm still watching film. Is And then looking at the stats, and I was like, man, he, he was fucking bad. Like it was like it was like barely playable bad. And I mean, twenty even just uh, just laid out in some stats. They're twenty fourth in passing success rate. They're just ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, just ahead of them was the Colts, the Commanders, and the Titans when Deshaun was starting. And just they were just ahead of the Patriots. Those are teams we were making fun of, like as far as their passing games. Yeah. Those those teams are getting made fun of for how bad and atrocious and stagnant they are, and as far as throwing the ball. And that's just hard for me to break. But again, like you said, even if he's averageish. I could see the bump because the offensive line's sick. It's a easily top five unit, top three unit, no matter how you shake it. Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb, probably the best running back right now. And then I even like their backup, Jerome Ford. I was super high on coming into the draft last year. I like him. And Joku is kind of a, a nice, kind of well-rounded tight end now nowadays. He's a good blocker and everything. So the run game with Bill Callahan is going to be top five, top six. Like it's just kind of hard for them not to see it. That yeah, way. it does sleepwalk to, to that. That's what they always do. That's what they do. And, and offensive I, line injuries may be the one reason they wouldn't. They only lost nine starts <laughs> combined along their offensive line last year. It, you have to say that every time, and it's just every team. It, it feels silly. <laughs> like, of course, if there's a rash of injuries at a single yeah. position group, especially on the line, things can yeah. crater. See the yeah. 2022 Rams, but again, it's still worth mentioning because that's the last thing I want is that the Browns are bottom five on offense this year, and people come screaming at me in January, and their offensive line had a right. historic rash of injuries. So playing a bunch of guys that signed the week before practice squad and all that. Yeah. And 
I, I do like even like how they shored up the pass catchers, like Amari, like you already brought up Amari Cooper, but Cedric Tillman, they drafted from Tennessee. I like him as an X. And then Elijah Moore, they traded for. Elijah Moore is uh, a great bet. I think yes, there were it's two, a good bet. There were two guys, in my opinion, who were probably unjustified sacrificial lambs with the 2022 Jets. One was Michael Fleur, and the other was probably Elijah Moore. So going to get those guys when they're probably yeah. at the nadir of their value, yeah. I think is good for the Rams and the Browns. I think so too. And again, it pained me not to include this team because I am overall as a team, I'm pretty high on the Browns this year because of what they did on defense. Like I think they are going to be a good team this year. I don't think that's outlandish to say, but it all rides on the $250 million quarterback. Like that, that's, that's, oh, yes, a lot of, a lot of offense success relies on the quarterback, but especially this team, if they want to ascend to where I think they want to be. I will acknowledge that I do think that there's one more downside case. It's tempting. To look at what they did with Brissett last year, drop Watson in and just say, okay, that's a top 10 offense. I think there is a timeline where they never quite figure out how to square what he's good at and the way he wants to play and the old structure of their offense. Mm -hmm. Because they feel compelled, I think, to spread it out a little bit more, play a little more shotgun, throw it a little bit more. And maybe those two things just never align. Where this under center downhill run game that they had that made them great over the last few years and lifted the floor of the quarterback, they can no longer lean on that because that's now how the quarterback wants to play. So it's possible that this kind of a thought experiment of just dropping him into the version of the offense we've seen over the last couple of years, that that's not even a real thing. And right. I'm willing to concede that. Maybe the gap kind of ideologically between those two things, they can never reconcile. And then maybe this never works out. So I want to acknowledge that that's possible, even if I don't think it's likely. That's a good point. And I I do think Stefanski is a good offensive mind. And that is something that even just watching on film, you could feel knowing Stefanski. And he's he's more more or less – he's got a lot of of trees he's drawing from. But when you look at their drop-back passing game, it was so different than what you would see with Deshaun with the Texans under Bill O'Brien which was so much five and seven step down the field. Boom. Not even play action. Just straight drop-back vertical. And then you watch – Deshaun Watson with the Browns, he's throwing stick. And I'm like, kind of, you know, yeah. putting a governor on <laughs> on your Porsche here. You know, you're kind of making them like do the little small things where it's like, just unleash them down the field. You already run the ball really well. So I do, I would agree with that, that there is some of that disconnect, but that's what this whole offseason is for. And, you know, you, we do see the teams that do figure out the 2021 Rams is the ultimate case of this with Stafford dropping in, yeah. them figuring out going to gun. And yeah, the run game took a little bit of a hit, but, but the they lost game their identity. It. Oh, and big time. and it, it was to their benefit. Yeah. But I, the Browns, I think there is a concern there, a slight concern of how do we maintain the identity mm-hmm. we've had offensively while also maximizing our quarterback? And how do we yep. manage to hop between those things? And that right. can be more difficult than we make it out to be sometimes. So now I'm like, does I talk more about it? Maybe I'm Dude. oversimplifying it and they should have made my list, but I, I'm, I'm comfortable putting them on there. Do you know? That was me going through the Cowboys right now. <laughs> it was like, eh, man, all right, all right, well, cool. No, I'm sticking with it. Plant your foot and go. Get north. <laughs> all right, who do you have at nine? Uh, I have the Seahawks. I have the Seattle Seahawks. They did not make uh, my list. Okay. They were one of my first teams off, but I totally understand how that you can no, get there with them. No one bumped up and down more than the Seahawks. I had them on, off, on, off, and I ended up having them on, and I think this is a nice spot. I think – Looking at all these teams that ended up, I just looked at DVOA, which is from Football Outsiders, and all the top 10 offenses had a top 10 passing game other than the Browns, who were 12th. 
So it wasn't, you know, outlandish. All these offenses at well, all the top 12 offenses had a top 10 passing game or a top 12 passing game. I'm sorry. And an above average run game. And that's where my issues, I'll start with the issues maybe with the Seahawks offense is the run game is not very efficient. It wasn't very efficient last year. All boomer bust. All boomer bust. Oh, oh, I, I want one stat right here. It's Kenneth Walker's like basically boom bust rate last year. He was top 10 in runs that went 10 or more yards on first and second down. He was bottom three in runs that went zero or negative yards. He, I, my nickname for him, I think it's going to stick for me at least. No, just, just me. I'm not saying stick generally <laughs> is that, is that he's, he's Sonic. He's Sonic the Hedgehog. He just runs into walls and he just keeps spinning, 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 spinning. And then sometimes it works and sometimes he just, no, a bunch of coins fall out of them. But I think just what they've added to this offense, not only just having fantastic tackles. I, I really think Charles Cross has all pro ability in his career, not this year, but down the road. Abe Lucas looks like a long-term starter at right tackle. I think they tried to shore up the interior offensive line, which was their you know woe last year, along with injuries up there. And I really like the center they drafted, Olu Aluwatimi uh, from Michigan. I was I really liked him uh, uh, coming out. He they drafted him the fifth round, and I think they're giving him a chance to start at center. I think that's going to be good. Uh, just shoring up, get some talent. <laughs> now, now you're getting too far for me. I, no, th- this idea that we're dropping in these fifth round picks to the interior of the offensive line, I understand. Should have been a third that, rounder. That's okay. Uh, I, no, no. Th- this is this is one of those. Ah, oh, you know, on paper, this is starting to make but, sense. The interior of the line is where I'm most worried. This is bad, bad to average bump. That's what I'm going. I'm going. I think fantastic tackle duel, bad to average on the interior. As long fantastic. as fantastic, we're doing fantastic with Abe Lucas already. Yeah. Oh yeah, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. Okay, so how many tackle pairings do you think are already better than that? How many you got off the top of your oh, head? I'd say at least five to seven. Five to seven. Yeah. I mean, this is hard to do off the top of my head. Uh, the Vikings in the NFC North, the, I think the Vikings absolutely do. Okay. okay. Uh, the Falcons, I would say right now, with Jake Matthews no. and Caleb McGarry. No. no. Uh, the Browns, definitely. Um, Ooh, that's Will's doing a lot of work there. I'd say the, the Cowboys, when they're healthy, with Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith. I'm trying to think of other ones that I'd rather have. This is tough. You put me on the spot all of them, here. All of them in their second year of their career, too? That you're not, we're not going to... Like, but that's the problem. Good. Is that, that they're I think good. That, I think you're projecting them no, to make a, make a jump this year. <laughs> no, I'm not. I already All think right. they're good. And I think they're going to get better. I, I think that's just – even if they just stagnate and stay the same, I think they're still good. And I, I like them. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, okay, maybe not fantastic, but good. How about that? Uh, I'll give you that. I'll give you that uh, uh, compromise there. But having said all this, all this, they added JSN. On offense. And I think the big woe they had last year is when they got to 11 personnel, they had nothing to really attack over the middle of the field. Yeah, they were a they 12 kind of, by default team last 12 year. 12 by default. And I, having said that, I do like their tight ends. But now, again, this is a versatile offense. They can pick and choose how they're going to attack you. And I like that. Their passing game is great. I really like it because they do a lot of staples and they do it all well. Vertical, play action, quick game, screens. I like all of that. So that I'm betting on this passing game being very good, like a, a truly easy top 10 passing game, if not better, top eight passing game, top seven, whatever you want to throw that number out. I haven't said top three or anything, but about there. And I think that the run game can be average. I like Zach Charbonnet. I know he's been banged up and whatnot, and I think he's a late signing. I think he has a shoulder right now, but I think he's going to provide that efficiency as a back and comparing him with hopefully a healthy Kenneth Walker. So I like the additions they made. They were a good team last year before fading down the stretch offensively. So I'm betting on that they're going to get that arrow is going to keep pointing up and we see no drop off from Geno Smith. 
part of the reason they faded down the stretch last year is their offensive line just wasn't holding up in the second half of the season. And that's part part. of my concern still is that even if you're optimistic about it, especially on the interior, it's still a projection and you'd have to have some faith in that. And that's part of why I'm worried. And I loved watching Gino last year and just, just some of the high end throws that he made last season and some of the high end throws he was even willing to try made him such an enjoyable, exciting player to watch compared to some of the other just cowardly quarterback play we could see around the league sometimes <laughs> but I, it's still only been 10 oh, games yeah. where he was yep. playing at that level I and e- even if you want to talk yourself into it because of how good he was in stretches last year there just isn't that much much earned benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. with him and me at, at this stage so i'm excited to watch them and i absolutely think that they can get there but there are just there were too many questions to me about certain personnel and the fact that we just haven't seen it that many times from Gino over the course of we haven't he hasn't been given the chance right we've only no, seen him for but, a season and a half but yeah. I still feel like ah, it's one year it's one year how can I just say ah pencil him into the top ten I just couldn't do it for that reason I get it I I, I would say up until Thanksgiving if you just focus on them I'd be like oh yeah this is easy and then those last five-ish weeks. It is a little scary to have this bet, but like I said before, is that I think some of the things they added to provide some depth, maybe in the interior, even if they get to average-ish on the interior, I think that was their biggest weakness. And that's going to help out their run game. It's going to help everything else out, at least lift the bar a little bit. So that's what I'm betting on. I, I, I'm I'm excited to watch this offense. I think Shane Waldron went from a hot name to kind of like stepped back. And I think now he's getting his name back up there because he does some cool things and it's very sound. And I, I kind of always respect that and like that when I watch that with the offenses. Number nine for me. I assume they are higher on your list. I had the San Francisco 49ers at nine. Okay. You want me to say where mine is? Say, well, where'd you have them? I have them eighth. Okay. So not that far off. I have them eighth. Yep. When I first did this, I just assumed they'd be in the top five. Like, yeah, they were incredible last season with McCaffrey. So when McCaffrey was on the field for them last year, they had a 47% success rate on offense. Over the course of the season, it would have been the second highest in the league tied with Buffalo in the NFL. They averaged 6.3 yards per play with McCaffrey last year, which would have been tied with the Chiefs or number one in the league over the course of the entire season. Their explosive play rate with Christian McCaffrey would have been tied with the Dolphins for the highest rate in the NFL. I say all that, and I'm sure people are like, well, okay, well, why do you have them all the way down at nine? Christian McCaffrey has struggled to stay healthy for his entire career. This offense, for the most part, was healthy in the right ways last season. I understand yeah. quarterback was one of those places that they weren't, but I, th- <laughs> I, I think they've shown us that as long as the quarterback is willing to play point guard in the right ways, they can be incredible on offense. But if McCaffrey goes down, George Kittle has struggled to stay healthy for most of his career. Missed a couple games last year. Debo has been banged up consistently. And the other area that I'd be really worried about, Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, and Mike McGlinchey missed zero games combined last season. McGlinchey's not even there anymore. Mm -hmm. It's Colton McKivitz at right tackle. And at guard, go look at the Niners' guard depth. It's I couldn't believe it. At a certain point, when you have this many stars, you you can't build out depth in as many spots. And they use their free agent money on Javon Hargrave. They're shopping in an expensive aisle, and it has prevented them from building up contingency plans at some of these other position groups. 
So there are a couple, even three or four game stretches on the offensive line and one McCaffrey injury away from this Death Star that they've built looking like that half-built Death Star. In, in, yeah, in Return know, of the Jedi. It, yes. Yeah. That, that's kind of how it feels right now. So uh, I, the best- Might be ver- operational though. <laughs> the best version of it is terrifying. It, it is it's, absolutely terrifying. And we saw that last year, but I can poke just enough holes in it mm-hmm. where I feel a little bit better about some of these other teams. Yeah, I really don't have much to add. Uh, even the success rate, that stat was the same one I was going to throw out there. Uh, but it's not, it's not even just rushing success rate. I think they were third in passing. Like, just third in general. Pass, like, yeah, they just were just in general. Good overall. It wasn't just the run game. I think it's what people, some people think. It's not that the, when people's eyes got back to the 49ers when they got hot at the end of the season, it was right when Brock Purdy started. So everyone's like, wow, Brock Purdy. Really, really lifted up this offense. It's like, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's CMC back there, <laughs> and and the shift that that death lineup. Once they got to that death lineup, it, it just evolved everything. So I even like the role players. Like Jawan Jennings is a nice, dirty work guy, yep. and Eli Mitchell's a really good number two back. My bet for rushing the NFL rushing leader last year because <laughs> I thought the arrow was going to keep pointing up with him. Um, but I, I and Shanahan, the offensive line was his number one thing, and of course, like I love the point you brought up that when you trade away. These picks, these middle round picks, these day two picks, that's when you usually take guards. That's when yeah. you take centers. That's when you take these role players or like kind of guys that shore up or depth, like you said. So Shanahan, though, is like the one coach that I'm like, he can navigate maybe poor O-line play, but it's 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 hard. It's a tough ask. He is one guy that has proven that he can do it. So I understand that hesitation. That's why I put him eighth. I think when I first did this list, I think I met a fourth or something like that. And I, I could just slowly drop him a little bit. I went but through a very with, similar process. But even with the quarterback question marks, it's no matter what, what are those three starts, Purdy, Lance, or Darnold, it's this is the one coach that I know can get the most out of him. So I, I, that's why it's not as big of a concern as it would be for the 31 other teams in the league. You know, like what quarterback are we starting? So I think that's why I could still justify him in the top 10. Of course, health is going to be the big thing. But just to add to that, that's, I, I just it's, I'm betting on Kyle Shanahan. I'm betting on the weapons and I'm hoping they stay healthy enough because it's another fun unit to watch. We have to at least acknowledge that there is a timeline where Brock Purdy just turns into a pumpkin at some point. Yeah. And I know that they've gotten by with whoever a quarterback over the last couple of years, as long as Jimmy or Brock Purdy has been on the field. But we've only seen a few games of Brock Purdy. There, there's a chance that as this thing goes along and he's got to solve more problems because defenses have seen this version of the mm-hmm. offense with McCaffrey, whatever, however you want to construe it. But he may have to navigate some stuff he's never had to navigate before. And this is still a seventh round pick that we haven't seen that much of. So I think that is at least worth acknowledging as we talk about the highs and the lows that this offense can hit. A seventh round pick who started what, like five, six games, and he's coming off a UCL injury. <laughs> We're still still in the top ten, baby. And that the fact that it's still in the top ten and that I feel a, a little bit uncomfortable having them down this low is right. it says all you need to know about Kyle Shanahan and the weapons. Yep. That's it. That's what you're betting on. Kyle Shanahan, the weapons, done. <laughs> All right. You ready for me to just put a noose around my neck here? I can't wait. My number eight team is the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you can't quit them, can you? <laughs> they're, they're not in my top ten. I'll just say it right now. I I can't believe I'm doing it again. I just I can't I I, I, tr- I truly can't believe it. This is my Cowboys. They're my the Cowboys for me is the Chargers for you. That, I can't, that's I can't it believe is. I'm doing it again. 
Uh-huh. First number I'd throw out. First one. Last year, when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were on the field, the Chargers averaged 0.19 EPA per dropback, which would have been second in the NFL behind the Chiefs. Keenan Allen missed eight games or seven games last season. Mike Williams missed a handful of time. The quarterback broke his rib cartilage early in the year and was hurt for most of the season. And this was still like an average offense for most of the year. The reason, two reasons that I feel comfortable putting them on here. One, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore coming in to be their offensive coordinator and the changes that will likely happen because he's there. I have faith that this is the right combination of players and play caller to get the most out of this offense. The biggest issue they had last year was not how compressed things felt and how little, how infrequently they push, they pushed the ball down the field. That was frustrating. But the yep. biggest thing that hamstringed this offense last year was their inability to run the football. Correct. They were 26th in early down rushing success rate last year. And in talking to coaches there and in talking to players on that offensive line, they just never felt like they figured out what their run game was. There mm-hmm. was no cohesion. They were never on the same page. There was just a disconnect in that area of their, of their offense. When Frank Smith left last year, to, from being the offensive line coach for the Chargers to go be the Dolphins' offensive coordinator. They brought in Brandon Nugent, who was an O-line coach that had worked with Joe Lombardi in the past, and I just don't think they ever figured out what their run game should look like. They were trying all this different stuff, including a lot of perimeter runs. Mm-hmm. Teams are giving them these light boxes, and I think r- their best runs last year were downhill runs. Austin yep, Eckler averaged yeah. 6.3 yards per carry on duo last year. He was third in the NFL among players with at least 20 carries on that exact run. If they can tap into, and this somebody told me this, they said, if you look at the uh, somebody there, if you look at the best offenses in football, they do a little bit of everything in the run game, but they have one foundational run that they build yes. everything off of. Correct. So I think if the Chargers can figure out what the foundation of that run game is, because they have the pieces to do it. You can give as much lip service as you want, and you can talk yourself in circles with all of this shit that I'm sure sounds fake to people as I lay it all out. If you don't have the bodies, none of it matters. But they have the bodies. Mm-hmm. Corey Lindsley is still a really good center. Zion Johnson in year two as a first-round pick is moving back to the position he played his whole life at left guard. Rayshon Slater missed most of last season. He's an all-pro right. left tackle. Jamari right. Sawyer was good for them at tackle last year. He's mm-hmm. a guard. That, that's where he's best. He, they have so much beef now at those interior spots. And their right tackle, Trey Pipkins, was hurt for most of last year. He had a mm-hmm. sprained knee for most of the season. They have the personnel up front. If they tap into an identity for this to really work. And so the, the extension of that is, they ran a ton of play action last year. A ton. Mm-hmm. They, because that's what Brand Staley wanted to do. He brought Shane Day over as an offensive assistant. Shane was the quarterback's coach for the Niners. And they wanted this movement game that the Niners had. But when you don't have a run game foundation and you're just kind of running play action just to run it and it's not connected to your run game at all, yeah. it's never going to work. That's the, I don't know if you saw me. I was writing a note down and I wrote play action and I go, their play action was zone and they but they would run duo. Yes. And I know pe- and I know people think, oh, oh, you, you don't have to be efficient in the run game. Yada, yada. That's not really what this argument is. It needs it's to be more, connected. It needs to look like that's that's how you get the suck up from the defense. If you're not running zone at all. And all of a sudden, your play action is zone. 
Uh, after, over the smarter defense is going to go. Okay, we know they're that's not even going to respond to it. They're not even they going to respond to the run game anymore. Correct. And and their 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 problem was when they would do that keeper stuff on early downs, the edge rushers they were playing against wouldn't even acknowledge the possibility of a run play. So Justin's got a guy in his face every (laughs) single time they're running those plays. Yeah. So now this this is how you can build the argument. They have the personnel. They have a really good quarterback. So if this stuff can kind of get some connective tissue between it and it can all start to make sense, you can imagine them being really good on offense. And the other aspect of this is I, I truly think that Justin Herbert is somebody who wants to play the game the right way. Everything I've heard about him personality-wise, and yeah. I guarantee you when they were sitting there watching games and cut-ups with him and Joel Lombardi, Joel Lombardi is just showing him hours and hours and hours of Drew Brees tape. And Brees is getting to the right guy, and he's checking the ball down, and he's just mechanically playing the position the right way. Justin Herbert is not Drew Brees. No. I, I, I want... And especially not late career Drew Brees, which yes. I'm sure is with the tape they were watching. Yeah. Everything we've heard from Chargers camp, and I was there, and you'll, you'll, you're going to be there here over the next yeah. day or so. Tomorrow. They're really letting it rip. Sweet. And I think if, if they're in his ear and they're telling him, the way I want you to play, push it, push it, push it, I think we can see a different version yep. of this guy and the chances he's willing to take. So this yep. th- this is how my arguments stack up. They still got players, man. And, if, okay, Keenan Allen's older. If, you know, Maybe Keenan Allen gets hurt. They drafted a receiver in the first round. Mm-hmm. And they drafted a receiver in the first round that has real juice. It, they, it wasn't like Kel, it wasn't like Keenan Allen was bad. It was just that he was unhealthy. When he played, he's still good. Yes. <laughs> it's just yeah, he's just not on the field. And that again, if you're okay, if there we're gonna get a ton of two high coverages and see a ton of cover two and, and and cloud coverages, we're gonna have a lot of space within the defense. If we're gonna have to play it underneath, do we have guys that can create explosives with the ball in their hands? It's exactly the player that Quentin Johnson is. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how they see him. They don't see him as a big body outside the numbers player. It, that would be guy. a miscast of him. Who was your so, comparison for him? Uh, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk. Yes. Yep. yep. A bigger Ayuk. So that that to me, again, they're just enough stuff lining up where I think, okay, I can I can just see it happening. Yeah, I totally get it. I my first note on them is like, if for once they're ever healthy, it's an easy top six unit. And I, but I go, I'm just a glass half empty, kind of like just I've been burned by them. <laughs> just and maybe it's the Lombardi stink or whatever. I think the big thing I have is the lack of depth, which is just I mean, it's so hard to have depth anywhere. And uh, and I think that's just the Chargers in general. But it's like, come on, one time they gotta get lucky with this. I think the run game, and I love Austin Eckler, and I believe he played every game last year. Um, if I off the top of my head, if I remember, but. I'm just not optimistic he can stay healthy as he's getting older and he's a little smaller. And, that's, and they got nothing else. They got that, nothing else. That is what's burned into my brain is that. And it's they fall off a cliff when he's not on the field. They were the seventh best rushing offense by success rate when he's on the field. They dropped to 20th when he's off the field. It's just boom. Just that. Just those stats right there. And the backups, I know who they are. It's not like they drafted some guy in the middle of the rounds. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's I've seen this show before. I've seen Isaiah Spiller. I've seen Joshua Kelly and everything. Joshua Kelly's fine, but it's not. He's not Austin Eckler. He's not even close to that to that realm. So I think that's where my negatives, my glass half empty with this is. And the other thing is, you know, I like Kellen Moore. You like Kellen Moore. We like Kellen Moore on this show. <laughs> I've, we both liked him. He runs an offense that I'm very familiar, very familiar with, very, 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 very familiar with. The thing is, some of those blemishes that he has with those offenses is some things 
that Lombardi did have as well. In the fact, some some staticness as far as yeah. the routes, not the motions or anything like that, but as far as stop routes and just some things that I can get clamped down on. That is just one thing that's like, oh, that's a little different. Kellen Moore is wildly more creative. He is willing to change up looks way more than Joe Lombardi was. Joe Lombardi would just run the same play out, the same looks week after week. It's like, oh, first and 10 drive starter. Here it comes. And then they get two yards. Now it's second and eight. They do it again. It's third and eight. Now it's third and long for Justin Herbert. Oh, okay, great. With throwing to DeAndre Carter <laughs> on third and long. So totally understand your argument. I can easily see this team being top 10, even, even higher than top 10. It's just that I have some glass half empty as far as the, the depth, and I just I might just have to see it for a sustained period. And I think that's that's really why I kept him out of my top ten. I, I you, you don't have to tell me. Yeah, it, it's, I know, I, I know. It, it's, it seems like I, I can't believe I'm doing it again. It's 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 that oh shit here we go again meme. I, I just that's how <laughs> I feel right now, and that that's I can't I just can't do it. I, I was I'm actually glad you did though, because I wanted to talk about them and and just acknowledge that they could go gangbusters this year. Don't don't get me wrong, but. It's just funny that I, I was I was curious if you've been burned enough, but nope, nope. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> all right, who's your number seven? We got because we, we got to get. Oh yeah, sorry. These. This is just so exciting. Uh, all right, ten, nine, eight. My number seven is the Ravens, and that is I that did is not the... have the Ravens in my top ten. <gasps> wow, I actually was that's surprising. I thought you were going to be raising the roof with Todd Munkin there. Uh, I am yeah. so excited about them, and I cannot yeah. wait to watch them. But there's just too much uncertainty. Yeah, that that's my main thing. I, get it. It, I just have never seen it before. I have no idea what it's going to look like, and it's just hard for me to say. New play caller, new offensive structure, new just complete philosophy. Yeah, top ten offense. Sometimes it just takes a second. If they finished eleventh and then they were third last year or next year, fine. But I just yeah. think when you're changing so much, it's just hard for me to get behind it. But I, I'm yeah. curious what your argument is. So when Lamar was healthy, even with a Greg Roman offense, they were top 10. They were ninth in success rate overall, fourth in DVOA, ninth in passing and first in rushing when Lamar was healthy and playing. I think it was, I think the stats I looked up was when Lamar started and finished the game. So uh, however many weeks that was, I think it was 11. And I think with that, with the receiver depth, They've added. I know everyone's going gaga, going like OBJ and Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman on the field. They're all Rashad Bateman's not even on the field right now. And OBJ, I don't know if people know this, is that a history of injuries. And Zay Flowers is smaller, but at least they have depth there. It's not one guy gets hurt and then all of a sudden they're playing out, drawing out Willie Sneed for 40 snaps, Demarcus Robinson or 40 year old Deshaun Jackson playing important games. So, the- <laughs> I, <forgot that. laughs> I know. He played like six, like so many weeks for him. It was unbelievable. I still, to this day, I've said this this before on the show, is that when they Deshaun Jackson caught a ball in the first week he was with the Ravens, I thought it was a different Deshaun Jackson. I was like, who is? I didn't know there was another one of these guys, but it was that Deshaun Jackson. But then they had this guy, Mark Andrews, who is an easily a top three tight end as a, as far as a pass catcher. Literally one of the most efficient pass catchers in the league, receiver or tight end. Eleventh in successful routes per run. Uh, uh, successful receptions per route run. I'm sorry. Just behind Jamar Chase, he had the same explosive reception per route ran as A.J. Brown, Devontae Adams last year, seventh in the league. He is a, a weapon. And so if he's your number two target, if OBJ can be OBJ or at least near it, they have at least a lot more to the passing game. Todd Munkin's balance as far as being more pushing it down the field, throwing the ball, I think will match Lamar as well as the run game being a little more pro style. But Munkin has some college influence. And how he would run Stetson Bennett at Georgia makes me very optimistic on how he'll use Lamar, as well as modernizing the passing game. So that's what I'm betting on. I'm betting on that these two can make magic if the things go right. The offensive line has a 
please stay healthy once <laughs> kind of thing for him. Uh, please, Ronnie Stanley, please come out there. But Linderbaum's a weapon at center. I hope J.K. Dobbins like plays. You know, I, They're going through some contract stuff right now. He's on PUP. So I just think this offense could be fun, varied, explosive, and I'm betting on the upside here. Even if I don't have him in my top five, I think it's going to be a, a good unit. I was talking about this with somebody today. It's easy to construe this situation in Baltimore as, all right, we needed to find a different ceiling offensively, and we needed to make a change in order to try to find that ceiling, especially after you pay the quarterback. Mm -hmm. We have to find a different level to this thing in order for us to get where we want to go. Maybe there isn't a different level to it. Maybe if you take the governor off of him as a passer and you really let him be the focal point of a more traditional passing offense, the returns just aren't going to be there. I think they could be, but I don't know because we've never seen it before. And that's the optimistic view for sure. But there's a chance that putting more on his plate isn't necessarily the best way to get the most out of Lamar Jackson as a passer. So, and again, I think it is, and I'm excited to watch it. But there's enough uncertainty here where totally I just I just can't do it. And also, we're one Odell Beckham injury away from Devin Duvernay again. You know, it, it's I understand that they're so much deeper and so much better at receiver, but it's not like those guys have stayed healthy no. in the past. Baby, it's, it's, not not like Lamar, it's not like Lamar <laughs> has been staying healthy. Lamar's missed right. games every year. So there's just I, again, the best version of this team is like third in offensive DVOA and they win the Super Bowl. But right. I think that. There's enough There's a lot to of talk yourself into there. The variance is very real with that team. And that's totally, why I just didn't have him on there. And I'm not even fighting you any uh, on any of that because I went through the same thing. Even it's like, okay, Munkin's great as an idea, but even those Munkin offenses like with the Bucks, it wasn't like they rated highly. They were super explosive and exciting, but it wasn't like, you know, there was still missing some stuff, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's, yeah, I know it might be a requiem for Greg Roman this season, which would be hilarious. But I, I think that the modernization, I'm just, I, I just want to see it. I, I'm betting the optimistic view, but I, I'm totally with you. I could see it still being like an average offense because, like you said, some of the limitations that might happen. At number seven for me, I have the Atlanta Falcons. Nice. They're a little higher for me. All right, you have them higher, so let, let's just save the Falcons discussion for a little bit higher. Who do you have at six? Uh, six, I have the Jags. I have the uh, Jags yeah. higher. Okay, let's talk about the Jags Sweet. here. Love to. I'd love to. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, y'all. I uh, No, I. this is really a bad I, I have Trevor. the Jaguars higher than this, which is, that's I, how good I feel about the Jaguars. I thought I was pretty high on them, too, actually. So this is, that's good. I, at first, I thought you were going to say they're off your list. I was going to be a little, little scared. Uh, <laughs> but no, Jags, it's, it's a bet on Trevor Lawrence. And it's a really, really, of all things, it's a bet on Calvin Ridley. Like, and I, what I think he's going to do to that offense. I think an offense built of the parts of Christian Kirk and Zay Flowers and Marvin Jones being Zay, a Zay, legit- Zay, Zay Jones. You, you've, you've messed up Zay Flowers and Zay Jones twice on this show, calling them each other. Let's go. You're, Let's you're go. back, baby. You're in mid-season form. <laughs> I know. It's not even butchering a name, just like just totally swapping it in my, my head cannon. Um, I, I think the fact that Doug Peterson was able to make a top six passing offense out of that is an Evan Ingram. And that, that that's is, why I have them higher. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. It's just. The offensive line always scares me, and then also it's, but it's, but, but like I could say that about any team, really. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I felt this was a good spot for them because, but I, I love it because I think people don't realize how fucking good Calvin Ridley is. He's a legit 
legit number one receiver, legit top 10 receiver. If he's like what I remember him as. And apparently other than some drops, uh, he had a practice the other day. He looks like that right now. Yeah. So and, and, it, and beyond the, the, the hype and the reports talking to people there, he's been legit. It's like he's, awesome. he has been legit. And awesome. uh, so some of the numbers, Marvin Jones ran 580 routes. So spoil, <laughs> I have them fourth. So we might as well just talk about this. Okay. Yeah. Marvin Jones ran 580 so we, so routes we just, for them. Oh, no, no. Okay. My bad. I had five, five. Yeah. Ma- Marvin Jones ran 580 routes for them. Okay. Boy, Last season, there were 54 receivers in the NFL who got at least 75 targets. Marvin yeah. Jones finished 50th in yards per target, and he ran 600 routes for this team. So now you're yeah. dropping Calvin Ridley into that with an offense that was top 10 in, in every efficiency metric, especially over mm-hmm. the second half of the season. And it's that's not the only changing variable. If that was it, then I maybe would be pumping the brakes a little bit because I don't want to overstate that. He hasn't played football in two years. The quarterback got so much better over the second half of the year, and he is still, in my opinion, not as good as he is going to be. He's going to be awesome, guys. I went back and watched like four games before going down there, before talking to people. Because I always like to just get a sense of, uh, you know, what do I want to know about? What do I want to talk about? And I watched the Ravens game again. (laughs) There there, there were five or six throws he made in the Ravens game that they're just holy shit plays that, that, that just so few guys can make. And it's not just the physical talent. He has such a feel for the position where a guy's hips will be turned one way or somebody will make one false step. How quickly he's getting rid of the ball and how decisively he is playing the position for a guy who, I'll say, is a year and a half into his career because of the way his rookie season went, right, is so impressive. Just the underlying feel he has for how to play quarterback in the league. There are a couple elements of his game and the offense in general that need to be cleaned up. He has to take care of the football. Mm-hmm. The fumbles and just how loose he is with the ball sometimes cannot happen. Some of the turnovers. This team turned the ball over a lot last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think they had, they had 29 turnovers, which is the third most in the NFL. I'm going to construe that as a reason you should feel better about that right? moving forward. The, the fact that they were so good offensively last year and they turned the ball over this much is a reason That's that a great point. there should be more optimism about them. The red zone turnovers specifically. They had five red zone turnovers last year. It's the third most in the NFL. They were not efficient in that area of the field. And one of the things, talking to somebody there, it's like, where does he need to be better? And it's like, we just don't make bad plays worse. That pick he threw, one of the picks he threw in the Charger game, they had a man tell based on something they did before the snap. Yeah. And they play, the Chargers played cover two behind it. And he just threw it right to Asante Samuel. Just eat it. Just eat it. Just yeah. don't compound things that went wrong on a play. And yeah. that just comes with experience. So yeah. you can fool him and he's a little loose with the ball. Those are the downsides. Yeah. Other than that, there aren't that awesome. many holes in his game. And he's, yeah. and he's getting better. So that mm-hmm. combined with Calvin Ridley... And I, there has been some, there have been some changes along the offensive line. I understand why you would be concerned yeah. about those. They drafted Anton Harrison in the first round. I think they feel pretty good about him. Yeah. And I think Walter Walker Little gives them insurance to tackle in a way that very few teams have. And I do believe that when Cam Robinson gets back from his suspension, there's a chance they bump Walker Little inside, and the offensive line is uh, better than yeah. it was last year with Jawan Taylor. That would make me feel a lot better as far as some of the weaknesses they have. No, that that's, that's I think is on the table for them. I think, I think it's a very good plan for him as an outsider. <laughs> so that's, I have, th- those are all the reasons. I have them fourth. Yeah. 
I mean, they were they were a top six passing offense last year with all the stuff yeah. we're talking about, and now you're dropping Calvary in there. And I do legit think the quarterback is going to be better. It, no. We could get to the end of the season, and I think we could be talking about him the way we started talking about Joe Burrow last year, where he's just one of the guys, unquestionably, where he has a seat at the table mm-hmm. by the end of this year. I would not be surprised by that at all. I uh, when we did our quarterback draft show and i took him fifth i think and i like that's i some people are like oh you're already high on him he's only done it for one year and it's like well yeah <laughs> if you watch the second half of his year his second year of his career and not like it's not like you know he has some nice pieces but it's not like he has all pros on the outside no. and everything and what he's doing what him and doug peterson did was just magic i mean him doug peterson has a play designer and play caller that whole offensive staff and how trevor operated it it's he can do it all he can make every throw. He avoids sacks. He's smart as all get out. He can handle checks. He can throw quick game. He can throw it down the field, intermediate everything. He's he's great. He's a good runner. Like I, I think he's kind of he's kind of underrated as a runner. He's a good athlete. And just an athlete six, in six. general. How twitchy yeah. he is for a guy that so big twitchy. and how it helps him play the position is crazy. I but, there have been times where you've talked about him and I've kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. <laughs> and, but going back and studying some of those games, he was better than I even remember him being. Yeah. And he was already pretty good. Yeah. And just the the different things they can do. I don't want to dig too far into it, but yeah. So a lot of the damage they did last year is by design. You're 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 throwing the ball into those three man concepts and you're kind of relying on the structure of plays to make things happen. Calvin Ridley can just win by himself. So Mm -hmm. now you have a guy on the backside of plays that you feel comfortable putting in one on one situations consistently that you can win in. So th- yep. that that element of it, there are just so many different things stacking up where that's why I had them number four. I, I just feel yeah. so good about so many different factors that could just fall into place for them this year. No, it, it, they had to work over the middle so much because it was Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram were their yeah. like main passing game weapons and Travis Etienne like stuff, you know, explosive plays and explosive designs. But also saying that, I want to talk about the run game because it wasn't that great last year. It was explosive, but not very consistent. Correct. Adding Tank, adding tank Bigsby as a bruiser is going to help. And he was a third-round I'm third so round glad pick. you brought that up because that, that, that'll help them in the red zone too. They were bad inside the five much. running the football. Correct. And it's because they're, they're a finesse team. Like they yeah. were last year. That's just how they had to be. Uh, you have every Evan Ingram as your main tight end. That's how you have to be. But how they made that work and then just dropping these couple pieces in, and I know that can be dangerous, but it's like, no, they already have a good baseline because they have a dude. I, I already consider them up there like near the seat of the table, maybe at the kids' table and just like looking at the – the big table, but I feel like there's going to be more of that national build because it's it's people are kind of saying that that's already early. It's like no, hop on board, guys. He's he's a dude, and he's going to be a lot of fun. I wish I was ready to push back with you on this, and I'm just not at all. Speaking of that, who'd you have at awesome. number five? Who did I have at number five? I had the Atlanta Falcons yeah. at number five. So uh, speak, speaking just, of stuff, I wish I could push back on you with, and I'm not going to. <laughs> Because I just I want to say oh I had him as a top five offense because when you say you know even with the Jags it's like oh I had him six it just doesn't have the same hit as saying a top five offense but I mean come on anyone that's listening to the show knows why I'm high on him uh, I mean they even waited DVOA last year with Marcus Mariota starting most of the games and spraying the ball everywhere with a converted defensive player at tight end a converted defensive player as one of their running backs a fifth round rookie uh, Cordell Patterson who even Bill Belichick couldn't make a running back. And they're like, they were fifth, fifth in the whole year in overall success rate. No caveats there. No like first and second down or after week eight. Fifth last year with that team. That's the only team's better 
were, oh, they, they were better than the Lions, the Jags, who we've just gushed about, the 49ers, the Vikings, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. They, they weren't even great passing the ball. And this is where they were man. third in early down success rate, which is more stable. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I get it, Ritter's, I've, I've, I, the last month I've been a lot on Twitter, but I've been tweeting about other stuff than football. Maybe a couple things I drop in there, but I've seen, I think I've seen every individual throw Ritter has made in practice because everyone keeps tweeting it out and everyone has commentary on it. But if this dude is just even like the 18th best quarterback, this offense is, it's going to be awesome, guys. And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to hone it in here and I might, I might, I might talk myself to more than fifth, but. The receivers, the size they have, Mac, bringing in guys like Matt Collins and Scotty Miller as kind of role players that just fit perfectly in what they need. I mean, come on. You got Drake London. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be phenomenal this year. And I, again, I'm going to laugh at fantasy guys for everything they've said this last year. John New Smith dropping in. You got the one coach that's gotten the most out of John New Smith. I just tweeted a play the other day I came across because I was searching for something of the Titans under Arthur Smith putting John New Smith as a running back and getting a toss play. They went 0-2 personnel. They're tossing the ball to John New Smith on a run play. We're going to have to make up personnel designations on this yes. team this year. And this, after being here for the last couple of days, this is kind of – this is the like me kind of tying a bow on, on how I feel about the Falcons. The Falcons last year had to be extreme out of necessity. Mm-hmm. This year, they're going to be extreme as a choice. Awesome. And <laughs> that – it gives me chills to think about it. That, that literally just gives me chills because if this is something where we get to push the envelope now. We don't have to do all this weird stuff because we don't have a choice. Right. And think about the personnel groups that they could trot out this year. You got to the two tight ends, maybe, you know, the Cordell Patterson and all these different ways that yep. they can use him. Bijan, you know, Kyle yep. Pitts is kind of a receiver. Bijan's a receiver and a running back. Coral Patterson's a receiver and a running back. Drake One is this big body guy that you can put in the slot. Like, they are going to do some stuff that I don't think we've really ever seen any teams in the NFL do. And that's so not in the up. modern game that I've covered. And yeah. I think that's going to be awesome. And sometimes this stuff sounds so good in theory, mm-hmm. and then it never works out in practice because the wrong people are tasked with deploying these players. And I just don't think Arthur Smith is the wrong person. I think he's the right person. If anybody can get the most out of this group that spent a top four pick on a tight end, a top eight pick on a running back, $20 million on a guard, it's stuff you wouldn't advise teams to do. And I think, uh, uh, fair, I'm sure people would say, if other teams did this, you'd shit all over them. Probably. Yeah. But I think that they can get the most out of these guys. And I've seen proof of it already. Like I've seen what he's done with lesser players in, with, in Atlanta and in Tennessee. And the fact that watching both of those offenses, and they, of course they have the same, so a lot of similar DNA, but how he's adjusted to the personnel. This is the one guy that got the most out of Cordero Patterson. Bill Belichick. There's so many coaches that try to get Cordero Patterson into a real thing. He did it. And, and not, that's not even talking about like Tyler Algier, who like was great in the second half of the year. He was one of the most efficient year. running backs in the league last year. And now he's their number two and he can catch and he can pass protect. He's another guy that can play all three downs. They have so many guys that can play every down in every situation. Their tells are going to be so I, – I, I, I'd be horrified to be the defensive quality control coach for a different team and going like, all right, so they got uh, two running backs, uh, uh, three tight ends, and That's they're, what I'm they're telling empty. You, man. They're going to have to – we're going to have to make up personnel it's, designations for what they do this year. And I think it's, it's in, awesome. it, there's purpose to it. Yeah. It's yeah. not just creativity for creativity. It's sound. Sake. It's purpose. And yep. I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with this. <laughs> 
I've heard some stuff about Bijan over the last couple of days that's like kind of outlandish shit about uh, what kind of player he is and just what they've gotten out of him from so out of him so far. They are extremely excited. Oh, I bet. I bet. I so I started scouting for the 2024 draft. And I'm watching the Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. So I'm watching Texas again. And there's Bijan. Bijan Robinson, and I ended up just watching him again because it, it was against, I believe it was against uh, Texas Tech, maybe? No, Oklahoma State. And I watched that and I watched some Falcon stuff, and I'm like, okay. And Bijan, the vision, it's one of the best vision and tempo runners I've ever seen. I know that sounds so arbitrary and like me just throwing out scouting terms, but it, no, seriously, how he paces himself, how he finds holes, he breaks on holes a half second before they de- develop. And you're already seeing that in college that translates to the NFL and he's a good athlete that takes advantage of that. It's not a big plotter that can't get there. And so I watched some Falcons tape at the end of the year. I think it was the Cardinals game and there's some beautiful blocks that are happening and you see these giant holes opening up and they get like a five yard gain. It's like, Oh, that's nice. Bijan's taking that for 20. Bijan's yeah. taking that to the house. It's your, it's so true. And, and when I was thinking about this in my, the first place, my silly small brain goes is, this is the third. No, they finished third in rushing DVOA. Why do you need to spend the eighth overall pick on a running back? Seventh overall pick on a running back. That's well, because those eight yard gains now could be touchdowns. Yep. It, you you have an explosive element to your offense, and wait, wait till you see them use him in like AJ Brown ways. Think about what <laughs> the guys in this offense can do with the ball in their hands. Yeah. On some of this underneath stuff, I, I think we're going to see the next iteration of this offense, and that's what I say when I. Last year, it was extreme by necessity. This year, it's extreme on purpose. I, the and line I, I had was they took the 2019 Titans, which was like a Hummer, you know, like a nice Hummer, and they put some rims on it. They put some, you know, some 22-inch rims on it, 24-inch rims. They got a sound system in there. That's basically what they did with this offense. And Ritter is obviously the huge question, right? Yep. The stuff they're asking him to do mentally and what that role he can play within the offense, I think, is we're understating how important it's going to be, how smart he is and the options they have within their offense and his responsibility and getting them into the right stuff. All of that I think is, I didn't think enough about it when I was considering why they wanted to go with this guy. And I think it is going to be a big reason why we see them hum at times this year because they're always in the right plays and he's, he's doing stuff between the ears that maybe we're not going to see or understand enough. That's that's why I was high on him. He showed it in college. He showed it last year in preseason. The Lions game, I remember specifically as one that he's they fooled the offensive line on the blitz. They came out the next series and he fixed it for the offensive line as a rookie in preseason. That's that's something. And it, I, of course, I'm high on this guy. He was the guy I liked the most in that draft class, the 2022 draft class. I think with this offense, because they are run heavy by choice and play action heavy by choice, and they don't do a lot of straight dropbacks. What's the down that you usually do straight dropbacks? It's third down. They're going to be in manageable situations because they're a run first team. So you're a lot more third and mediums that are more manageable. And if you're a blitz heavy team, they got a dude that can handle protections. And I don't know how much people realize that what, what a weapon that is. Like as far as how much load it takes off everybody else. Now the center can go, oh, okay, we're going to be fine. We're going to be yeah. fine. He's going to get us in the right spot. The ball's going to go to the right spot. Might not always happen, but there might be gashes on these third downs because they can protect against blitz. I think they were the most blitzed against team last year. So it, it's a lot of condensed formations, right? I mean, it, it yeah. makes sense. And you're going to so, run the ball. Like we got to break five. <laughs> I, <laughs> think they'll, I think they'll be less condensed this year. 
And I think they yeah. will throw the ball more than they did last year. Oh, we are going to see the next iteration of this, and I'm very it's excited awesome. about it. Last I'm thing too. to mention. Uh, so, and then also with and their offensive line's sick. So their <laughs> off- that was the last thing I was going to mention. Their offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think I Matthew Bergeron is going to start for them from day one. And Sweet. they have plus players at pretty much every single position. I think Drew Dahlman at center is underrated. They have yep. arguably the best guard in the league. They have two solid yep. tackles who are better than the Seahawks tackles. <laughs> this is a very, very good group. And, yeah. and the Ritter thing, you go back and watch. I'm sure people are going to be like, God, he didn't play very well last year. Pitts was hurt. The yep. And every time he made a mistake, he didn't make it again. He was very, very good at kind of correcting things that would go wrong, and that's what they've seen from him. It's always been progression his entire football career, and I think that we're going to see it again. And I think you're right. If he can be the 18th best quarterback and just be pointed in the right direction consistently, they have a chance to be really good, really fun, and weird as shit. Can't wait. I love weird. That's like my favorite thing. Love it, love it, love it. I I'm so excited to watch this offense. I know everyone knows that that's listening to the show, but nothing has changed since July and August have started. Where do you have the Eagles? You have them at four? I have them at four. Okay. So we'll talk about the Eagles in a second. At five, I have the Eagles at six. Okay. At five, I have the Detroit Lions. Okay. Never, I completely talk understand <laughs> why, why you're hesitant about putting them on here for all of the reasons that you said. If, if I thought the Lions were going to be the same offensively as they were last year, I'd be worried. Because it's like, oh man, like they didn't really add any like high level receiving pieces. I know they have Sam Laporta now and Jameer Gibbs, and but again, rookies and how much you, rookies, can you project yeah. from rookies? It was how sound the offense was. Everything they did, they had answers to it. Everything they did, it's like, okay, Jared, here's where you're looking, and if that's taken away, here's your secondary answer. This is my favorite stat when I was looking at the Lions from last year. The Lions were number one in the league in EPA per drop back off play action last season. And when you, when I say that, the first place my mind goes is teams that are usually high in play action efficiency, it's because they're creating explosives off play action. It's downfield play action hits that kind of drive that efficiency forward. The Lions' play action efficiency was 0.33 EPA per drop back last season. It was the exact same play action efficiency they had on targets within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 0.33 EPA per drop okay. back. That is, that's so, good. <laughs> that is so much better than other teams in that range of the field. Because again, yeah. most teams need the downfield shots to drive up their play action efficiency. The yeah. Lions were just as efficient within five yards of the line of scrimmage as they were on play action shots overall. It's because every they gave Jared Goff so many great secondary answers within their play action concepts. If this isn't here, you get your guy in the flat. If this isn't here, you got your guy in the flat. And them kind of giving him answers to every single thing a defense was going to throw at them. It gives me so much faith that whatever this next iteration of the offense looks like, they will find answers to whatever anything defenses are going to throw at them. So me doing this, this is solely a bet on Ben Johnson. That's what this is. Because of how sound and just ironclad their offense looked last year with Jared Goff, this is my bet that they're going to continue that. There are so many other areas where you think, ah, they might take a step back. They turned the ball over 15 times last year. That's it. That that number is going to go up. Okay, Areas like that. If you take away some of those answers for Jared Goff, he's not going to be able to create something outside of the structural place. 
So there are plenty of reasons why you'd be worried. And the, the Amon Ross St. Brown point, I think, is a very important one. Because one of my thoughts is, who's your gotta have it guy? Right? Yeah. Like, who's your gotta have it guy? You, you got Marvin Jones, and who's your gotta have it outside the numbers guy? But I think we're conceiving of this the wrong way. Just because he's a non-traditional number one option within a passing game doesn't mean he's not a gotta have it guy. He right. was first in the NFL last year on first downs per route run on third down. Number one. He was number one in the league. Every so, stat, every underlying stat, he's like one, two, or three in everything. It's crazy. Even if we don't think of him that way because he doesn't look like a number one receiver, when they needed him in those high leverage moments, he was as good or better than anybody. So all of that has just kind of stacked up to where I'm like, I just, I think I'm really excited about them. And I wouldn't have felt that way if I hadn't gone back and watched. And then the offensive line, again, we think it's going to be good this year, healthier this year, potentially. So I'm in, man. I'm just in because I am, I'm willing to make the bet on Ben Johnson and and that on that offensive staff and the offensive construction. So I I actually, he came on the show recently, Sam Schwartzstein, and I actually, him and I were talking just separately, just on the side one day, like about a month ago. And we started talking about how because of two high offenses that or two high defenses, I'm sorry, is that run games are diversifying again. And the Lions, more than any other team, are probably the best at that. Of every week they run counter this week, they run duo, they run zone, they run pin pole, they run and they varied it up week in, week out. You can do that when you have a good offensive line. And yeah, last year, the, you know, I think underlying stats are more kind of middle of the road actually kind of surprised me because I shoot after the first couple of weeks, I'm watching this offensive line, this run game, like this is awesome. And I think that they're going to have that step up because they can do it already. They have a diverse run game. They have a great play action game. I'm glad you brought that up. And Amara St. Brown is that third down monster because Ben Johnson's so good at the designs. He, oh, we need four yards. Alan Ron St. Brown doesn't have to run 20. He can yeah. run six yep. and make it work. So my notes for the Lions are overwhelmingly positive. It was just I had some hangups on some things because I looked at the rest of the receiving room and that just it kind of spooked me a little bit. I and get I like that. Sam and I like Sam Laporta, but again, it's a rookie tight end that you're saying is probably gonna be your number two weapon. And if oh no, we got draft Jameer Gibbs. It's like, yeah, Jameer Gibbs to me is a luxury player, uh, meaning that I like him, but he's like a super role player. He's a sub 200 pound back. Those guys only could take so many touches. He's terrible in pass protection. I'll just straight up say it. That's what that was his hangup for me watching my Bama. Guys can get better, but you know, he's not the size for that. So early on, I think he might be he might tip off some defenses. Oh, Gibbs is on the field. He's getting the ball. Like that that's why that happens with three down backs and why you want that. Having said that, I really like David Montgomery. And I like that I like that pairing of these two. So I, I, I kind of go back and forth. I talk out both sides of my mouth. I am still optimistic about this offense. I truly had them 10B, 11th. And I everything I could see them being a top five offense. They were legitimately a top five offense for a large stretch of last year. So they've already had, had proof that Ben Johnson, I love what you brought up with soundness and everything like that because it's so true. And that's another thing uh, we already talked about, but Arthur Smith too, is that they'll beat up bad teams. They'll yeah. beat up unsound teams and they'll expose those teams. And Every team that beats it. itself on defense, they will just hammer they'll take advantage of. That's what this, that's what's so fun about these offenses is that they take advantage of the places that they can take advantage of. So I understand your argument for them. I kind of took them off out of necessity because I want to talk about some other teams kind of, but I, I, I'm, I'm like everybody. I'm excited to watch the Lions this year, especially excited to watch their offense. I can't really argue with a lot because a lot of my notes were positive. I just had a couple hangups that didn't let me push them up. The last note that I had. So they had 84 play action dropbacks with six guys in protection last year, which was the second okay. most in the NFL. 
And that means you're getting guys out. That means you're getting yep. four receivers out on these play action concepts, which some teams run heavier play action concepts than that. They average 0.61 EPA per drop back on those plays. That's 15 times the league average on play action concepts <laughs> with six pass protectors. It's twice as it's twice as good as Lamar Jackson during his MVP year. It's three times <laughs> as good as it's three times <laughs> as efficient as the Chiefs were throwing the ball last season. And that again speaks to those yeah, are the options design. they give him in the play yep. action game. And that yep. type of soundness and that type of problem solving is why I'm betting on them, even with some of this stuff in flux. All right. Totally you had it. the Eagles at four? I had the Eagles at four. And I had him kind of wavered up and down with them. Started at three. I think I dropped them at one point down to like eighth on this I, list. I, and had then, them at, I had them at sixth. Okay. So, all right. So, yeah, we're this kind of tier was kind of all the same to me. Like I had Eagles, Falcons, Jags as kind of a tier. That's and then, fair. and then I, and then I have a top three. So with the Eagles, really my biggest hangup is kind of the attrition of winning is losing their offensive coordinator. And I, I, I know Nick Sirianni has an offensive background, but I've seen him as a play car with the Eagles and it wasn't, wasn't awesome. Uh, so they have a new OC and Brian Johnson, who's only called plays once before. Uh, and that was in college at, at University of Houston. And it wasn't a great offense that year. He's been under Dan Mullen. He was, I believe, Dak Prescott's quarterback coach at Mississippi State. So he has an interesting background in using quarterbacks with their legs. And I'm sure a lot of that QB run game had some of his input. But they have a first-time QB coach. I'm sorry I didn't write down your name. Really apologize. But we know this. This is a top three offense last year. They faded a little down stretch as Jalen Hurts got hurt. But they have a lot. They have the weapons. They have the offensive line. They have Jeff Stoutland still. They have A.J. Brown still. They have Devontae Smith still. They have Dallas Goddard, who is legitimately a top four tight end. And literally, like I already brought up the Mark Andrews stat, Dallas Goddard is like even better as one of the most efficient pass catchers tight end or receiver in the entire league. He truly is and should be treated as one. I think a lot of people treat him as kind of like, oh, he's a nice piece. It's like, no, he's a dude. <laughs> Watch that guy catch corner routes, like especially in the Super Bowl. Go up and snatch those balls and catch those screens and take them for first down. So with the offensive line, you know, Kelsey and Lane Johnson are getting a little older. That, that has me a little, little scary uh, or a little scared. Uh, but having said that, they're still there. They're still playing. They're figuring out the right guard situation. Uh, but it's there's just not enough for me to ding them and be like, yeah, they got a new offensive coordinator. They're outside the top 10. It's more just like, no, I'm betting on Jalen Hurts. I'm betting on these weapons and just keep ascending. And I think Brian Johnson, well, they might have some blemishes early in the year. That happens a lot with first-time play callers. But I think they figured it out just because they have so much talent. I'm worried about the talent being on the field the whole season. They got 17 yep. games out of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith last year. A.J. Brown has had his issues. With injuries. Has he ever played a full season before? Before that, last year was the first year he played a full first season. time. Wow! And so his knee, his knee has been a problem for him in the past. Always. And so if if they lose one of those guys for an extended period of time, I know Gallus Goddard missed five games last year, but mm-hmm. let's say AJ Brown gets hurt for seven games, what does this offense look like? Because right. they are talent based in a lot of ways in how they play. That's not a knock. That's just no. what they are. They're no. static. They're eleven personnel. They are. Yep. We are better than you. And if you lose the players who make you better than everyone else, what does that mean? So that was yeah. one of the reasons their offensive line it. stayed mostly healthy last year. Lane Johnson right. missed some games, but Lane Johnson misses games. So the fact that their offensive line combined missed nine starts last year, that's where I start to get concerned because they do not have a lot of depth on this team. They, they yeah. just don't. They don't. And because they have so many stars, it's difficult yeah. to maintain that depth. So yeah. the fact that they were pretty healthy last year and if they have some injury concerns, and I, the last thing I had, it's why I had them down a little tiny bit lower. They were 17th in passing success rate in the second half of last season. 
Yeah. I think as defenses started to adjust to them a little bit, they weren't rolling in the same way throwing the football. And I know that Jalen played really well down the back half and and in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl specifically. I have a lot of faith in this team, but those are the things that push them from being two, three on my list down to six. That's it. That's it. No, I get it. I I look at them as a very good, maybe not elite, but I could see more variance than maybe I originally thought as I broke it down. I love your depth part or death piece i love about the health because that's what it felt like when you watched them last year it's like oh these guys are playing every game um but i think having said all that it's like i could see them dropping out as they have some growing pains but you know again they might stay healthy and they might stay up into this high high level but the success rate stuff is very important it is because of how they're built they're vertically down to field offense and what if you don't what if you has that washington commanders game when you remember the one they lost, and all of a sudden they weren't catching those. What if that happened six times? Well, that's, you know, the, that, go back to the first Washington game. Those first yeah. couple of 50 50 when balls. Devontae he threw Smith up, just, ah! <laughs> what if those yeah. don't get completed? It, you that's live a high true. variance life when that's right. your passing game. And Thankfully, if we're going we're to yeah. knock that about the Dolphins, we have to bring it up with other teams that live there. But here's the thing problem. about the Eagles they it's have right. the run game to maintain <laughs> the stability for them play Correct. in and play out. And that's why it's a little this, bit better. This is my other hangup, and I, I was going to save this for the preview show, but whatever. Is also you pay Jalen Hurts now? Are you going to use him as a runner as you did before? Like, are you going to crank that dial as much as you did in the past? I think the answer you- is yes because they have. Yes, to. I know. All right, we have the same top three teams. Who did yeah. you have at three? I had the Bengals at three. Okay, I had the Bills at three. Okay. Okay, so how do you want to start? You want to go let's Bengals talk about first? the Bengals. Bengals is everything. Well, first off, let's bring up Joe Burrow's calf issue. So that's all contingent on this. But uh, having said all that, is the growth that they showed as an offense. That is, yeah. that is, that's it. I'm a big believer in this offensive staff. I'm a big believer in what this team did because of those changes they made last year. Anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about is shifting to more of a gun heavy run game to kind of tie in their pass game as well. It's a very static offense. They don't change up personnel. They don't motion. They line up in a couple formations and they have at it. <laughs> this is, we are better than you over and over and over and they can do it. And this is the best receiving group. I, I think top to bottom. I mean, Tower Boyd's a great number three. Even some of their depth guys are great on top of T Higgins and Jamar Chase. Um, they, Irv Smith is their tight end. Everybody likes the idea of Irv Smith, but I think this offense is. Yeah, some is, of the Irv Smith comments recently. Have, what? I've, I've been like, really? I, I, I know. I, what has I, he I done that everyone's so high on him? I've been. He was uh, not good, good last year, even when he no. was healthy. No. And now and this offense doesn't. What I was going to say is that now he's in a low usage offense for that role, for the tight end, because you're the fifth pass, <laughs> pass option of that passing attack, which I think will be okay, I guess. Um, I just will say that. Those changes in the run game. I know they signed Orlando Brown. I actually think the offensive line is like solid now. Remember, yeah. Remember, we were talking about them running duo, and they were just awesome running it down the down teams' throats from the gun. I think the Orlando Brown signing. At first, I was like, "Wow, really?" And that pass-heavy offense, really? Okay, I don't really like that that fit. But then I started thinking about it, and I think Orlando Brown with their run game and being more at you, that's where the boost is going to be. One hundred percent. Now they're now a they gas scheme running team. That, oh. that he fits perfectly into their Perfect. new identity in the run game. Perfect. Perfect. It's, it's one of those people made fun of, like, oh, how is he going to pass protect for Joe Burrow all the time? It's like, no, it's not that. It's all the other stuff that he's going to help out with. So I, and I think the is, signing makes perfect sense living in this new world. Absolutely. And now they have contingencies elsewhere. If Lyle yes. Collins gets back and he's healthy and he's your swing tackle because you have Jonah Williams, you have depth yes. now in a way that you didn't before. And even I, I wanted to look this up because if we're going to knock 
the we're going to say, oh, well, one of the Eagles receivers gets hurt. What are they going to look like? When Jamar Chase was not on the field last season, yes, the Bengals were fourth point. in EPA per play on great offense. Great point. Yep. Yes. Uh, that's surprising, but it's pretty fucking impressive. <laughs> they they, they kept because, T, because T. Higgins can be a true number one receiver. And yep. I love Devontae Smith, and maybe he could be two without A.J. Brown, but I, I haven't seen it with the Eagles, and I have seen it right. with the Bengals. So, and right. you know why? This is straight up. I can rely more on the quarterback for the Bengals than I think I can for the Eagles right now. I Just, agree with that. That's it. Yeah. Uh, ben Joe Burrow it. has done it. We we, we have yeah. seen it multiple we've years. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's why I have Cincinnati. I, and I think you know maybe the Hayden Hurst there Smith moves to slight downgrade, and but you know, they have nothing behind mixing it running it's, back. It's but not like, a featured role. That's that's why it's the tight end thing. It's like all right, it's a wash. And neither is running back because right. they they had like, no explosive plays from the running back last year. None. It was all. Efficiency and you four yard gate, four yard gate, four yard gate, four yard gate. And, and a lot of guys can do that. No, no shots at Joe Mixon, but a lot of guys can do that. So, totally this agree. is a bet on the flexibility of Joe yep. Burrow and on just the aliens they have on the outside. Yep. So, I, it, that's easy I, for I, me. I've said this before, but it's, I, I'm so, it's so much fun to like appreciate this, uh, this Bengals team after the, the first year they ran to the Super Bowl. We're like, ah, it's a little luck based. And now watching them just be so sound and just have this variance to, or variety to their offense, which is physical. And I think that's a really cool balance along with having Joe Burrow, one of the smartest quarterbacks we've seen in some time, throws every ball perfectly on time and accurate. So it's a very fun mishmash of kind of thoughts with this. I offense. don't want to just hand wave this though. Those calf injuries can linger. Linger. If he's not healthy, then is that going to throw a wrench into this whole thing? And so I'm choosing to believe he's going to be because I don't want to face a world where this Bengals offense is diminished, but maybe he's not. So that I think is at least worth acknowledging. Absolutely. I have to bring it up. And and yeah, and also he's gotten better at not taking the big hits, so maybe that helps out a little bit. And he did not hang the play extension is seconds. still part of it. What Correct. makes him great? So yes. if he can't be as and he was a better scrambler last year. Yes, so, better uh, scrambler. Yeah. He's a play Designed extender, runner. even if he's not a runner. His pocket navigation and that subtle mobility is hugely important yeah. to his game. If he can't move like that, what does it do to him? So I think that's worth yeah. at least acknowledging. But it sounds like he's going to be ready to go for week one. I okay. had the Bengals at three, or the Bills at three. I easily could have had them at two. It yeah. is so hilarious that we're all talking about the sky is falling for the for the Bills, and we're concerned about them and everything else. The Bills were second in every single offensive everything. efficiency metric last year. Every everything. single one. Even, and even if you chop it up by like weeks and everything, it's like, nope, they, downs, they're still up there. And yeah. downs, because that's what I did. They were the most efficient third down team in the league last year. They had the highest third down conversion rate, and it's a lot of third and longs. So my mind is, all right, let me play with some of these drop downs. I wonder how inefficient they were on first and second down, and if they leaned on that third down volatility to pump up those numbers. Nope. They were second in the league in success rate on first and second down last year. Yep. So (laughs) even if we're worried about this, I've said this a couple times recently, and I'm starting to believe it. Maybe the bills are better. Uh I, I don't want I don't want to spoil my takes, but some of our preview shows I'm gonna be very very high on the Bills when we do those shows. Just letting you know. So they go get Osiris oh, Torrance is getting first team reps at right guard now. He's a yes. 330 pound guard they drafted in the second round. A mauler. Connor McGovern, who they signed to play at left guard, he's not a great player, but he's definitely gonna be better than what Solid. Roger Saffold gave them last yes. year. Okay. Pro Bowler Roger Saffold. <laughs> so that the the improvements to the interior of the offensive line. How f- I think that the physicality that they could theoretically get from that group and the, the run game benefits it could provide them 
combined with having, even if the, I, I'm still not convinced about the Dalton Kincaid thing and how it's all going to shake yeah. out. And again, sometimes you can't just say 12 personnel and snap your fingers and be oh. more efficient offensively. It, it makes it work, right? 12 play action or 12 personnel and play action, right? And you have a good offense. <laughs> I just that that's, works? and I know that Bills are smarter than that, but it seems that yeah. that's kind of what we're doing. But I, I do know. think that even him as a receiver, purely as a receiver, gives him another option they didn't have yeah. last year. And Josh Allen's yeah. still really good. Josh Allen was hurt last season for a good chunk mm-hmm. of the year. This team turned the ball over more than any other team in the league except the Colts last year, and they won thirteen games. Like it was not. They won third. That's the, I keep on reminding people. They won thirteen games. What? That's not like some 10, 7, 10 and seven team last year. They had seven Ugh. red zone turnovers last year, and they were still one of the best offensive league. They led the league in red zone turnovers. And again, so they were dead last in 12 personnel usage last year. Mm-hmm. So they're same kind of deal we're talking about with the Browns and, and kind of reconciling that gap between who you were and who you want to be. Can you do it? And I, I do think that they can, but it's a projection. We, we have not yeah. seen them be that sort of team. So, But I'm just betting on <laughs> the fact that <laughs> last year they were one of the best offenses in the league and were losing our minds about all the things they need to change <laughs> i know and like their offensive line was just parting like the red sea just yeah, like over and over it was bad especially the second half of the year like spencer brown was yeah like and it, spencer it, brown's it, still there so, but hopefully the guard play and interior play will be better that and, and that's where the pre- that's where pressure affects the quarterback more if you have interior pressure that convolutes everything because he bails he, he bails right he bails away so f- i saw I, ca- I was catching this a little bit midway through the year where they just couldn't play on time offensively no, no, because no. of how quickly he was bailing from the pocket. And I'm just like, this is not sustainable. This isn't working. And so if they can have just a little bit more reliable offense yeah. because he's comfortable in the pocket, I just think that they could be even better this year than they were last year when they were the second best offense in the league. I, I was going to say is that even with the blemishes where Josh Allen kind of loses his mind and just start shooting all around him. I, I, I was going to throw you a little Archer reference there with a little suppressing fire. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I think this year too, just personality wise, I think he's a man on a mission. Like yeah, I, I agree. really, by all accounts, I think he's like, no, screw this. We're, we're doing it this year. Enough, like enough of the hype. We're doing it this year. But I mean, just like, even, even outside the, the Dalton Kincaid thing, because I totally agree with you. I think people are getting, getting a little out of hand with it. It's, and uh, I talked to Steven Ruiz about this is that it's how defenses treat you. If you're if you yeah we can be in twelve but if a defense is treat you like you're in four wide like it doesn't what's the advantage you better you got to get them out of those looks well you better grind them down if they do better. that to you you better grind you them down and if they to. can if Dalton Kincaid is grinding nickels to a pulp and they're yeah. using the twelve personnel in interesting ways and they're creating blocking angles because of it that's fine they've never shown that the, the the ability to do that because guess right. what they've used twelve personnel in four percent of their place it was dead yeah. last in the league. So they this better is, find some ways to create matchups in the run game if they're going to play that way. And that's where – exactly. I think they were trying to throw that in. They did the jumbo personnels last year and all that. And I think, too, is they have another tight end outside of Dawson Knox and Duncan Kane and Quentin Morris, who is like their why. So it's just like what the Chiefs are doing where they're changing up their tight end looks. They're 12, every 12 is different. Every 11 is different. All that. And Reggie Gilliam, who's like a fullback de facto tight end, too, is like they can change up the looks. They're They're becoming more – Multiple, which is usually a, a no-no word that you—that's uh, usually a bad offense coordinator in their first press conference. But they truly are. They're becoming multiple because 
they push the limit of what they could do before. They've learned their first lesson of breaking up the RPOs, and they just keep adding layers to this offense. And I, I think it's going to be freaking awesome. I, I, I'm excited. And, of course, with the run, running backs that they have, with Damian Harris, I know James Cook is more of a pass catcher, scat backy type. They, they're saying he's three down. I don't see it, but whatever. But Damian Harris down, there, down your throat. Even Latavius Murray, I know yeah. he's older, but he's a good pass protection back that can run it down your throat. So having that change up, which is Powerball, which is funny as a change up, the fact that they have it's good, and I, I, that's why I'm very, very optimistic about this team this year. I don't have a lot to say about the Chiefs. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> chi- the Chiefs are num- the Chiefs are number one until they give us a reason for them not to be. Correct. Correct. I, I, my only note I have is, I mean, I feel like I don't need to explain it. It's they traded away, in my opinion, the second most impactful receiver in the NFL. I think that Justin Jefferson is the best, and I also think he changes defenses the most. But I think Tyreek Hill is probably second in terms of what the reaction he creates in the defenses that you play. And they were the best offense in the league. Mm-hmm. Easily. Easily. But there's nothing else to really say. And no. they're, what they've done over the last year, two years, is they've sent you the message that as long as he's protected, nothing else matters. If we have Kelsey and we have the quarterback, as long as he's upright, with Andy Reid, we're going to be better than you. And I think this guy has a chance to be like the best offensive line he's ever played with. Right. Right. And that's pretty scary, I think. <laughs> Donovan Smith. I know people are making Donovan Smith punchline jokes. He was bad last year. He yeah. clears He's the motivated. bar as a left tackle in the league yeah. to, for you to function offensively. Jawan Taylor yeah. played well last year at right tackle. And their interior is arguably the best interior in football. Right. And if Donovan Smith is your fifth best offensive lineman, that's it. That's pretty sweet. That's you're, you're, a pretty you're good doing offensive line. Real good if he's your fifth best offensive line. Yep. And I think also he's going to just be better because he's motivated. That's always his thing. I talked yep. about this before. And now he's with Mahomes and Andy Reid. That'll motivate me if I'm playing with those guys and Travis Kelsey in this offensive line. And I think too is that he went, he's going from an Arians left witch offense to Andy Reid and Andy Heck, who are. And Mahomes, who are amazing at mitigating offensive line woes. Like, they're really yeah. good at it. It's, it's a really and, good point. And just even just the run game got so good last year. It was so much better. They averaged overall, they averaged nearly a point of EPA per drive last year. That was double the Bills who were in second place. They averaged a point a drive in EPA. There's only been three teams since 2019. There's 2019 Ravens, 2020 Packers, and 2022 Chiefs. The league average over that time is negative, and they're averaging one point. <laughs> it's it's insane what they're doing. And on all these things is the run game. I keep an eye on Deneric Prince, by the way, from Tulsa. I liked him in the Shrine game and uh, all that. But pass catchers, too. It's like, honestly, it's a grab bag of, like, my guys. They have Justin Ross and uh, Amir Smith-Marset. But then MVS and Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. They're going to make this work. If yeah. no guy gets featured every week, they're going to change up. It's like a running backs in the, with the Patriots. They're going to change which week, which guy gets featured, and they're going to make it work. I, I think even the tight end group is, is great outside of Kelsey, too, and how they use those guys. Noah Gray is going to be like a de facto fullback at times, which I think is good. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing that has makes me think like that they're going to drop at all. I think they're just full, full, full steam ahead. They're I'm not doing this shit anymore. And, until no. they show me a reason to not, it's I'm it's he's they're going to be there. I'm they're tired not. of this. I'm I'm I've done it too many times. I've learned my lesson. And if they finish seventh in offensive DVOA this year, then I'll have been wrong. <laughs> but they still made the top ten, so technically you're right. So still, 
<laughs> You're still right. But all right. I, I'm with you. It That's all we got. Wow. Well, check, that's a hundred minute episode to come check, back check to. Check it in an hour and 40 minutes. We, we had, you had a lot of takes that you had to get off. Guess what? <laughs> oh my God. A whole We're going to be back on multiple. Monday doing the defenses. It will, it'll be less than an hour and 40 it'll be minutes less. doing the defenses yeah. next week. I hope I can narrow it to under 20 teams for, for my list for top 10 defenses. <laughs> it was great to have you back. It was great to have this conversation. I was looking forward to this all week. Uh, yeah. Had a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Just a reminder, tomorrow on Saturday, we will be releasing the second edition of uh, I don't know what we're calling it. Going camping. Isn't that what we called the first one, Bellar? Going camping. We're doing the conversations I've had from the training camps that I visited. So last week was all of the LA teams. This week, we have our Southeast Swing. John Shipley from the Jaguar Report coming out of talking about the Jags. Josh Kendall, our Falcons writer at The Athletic, coming out of talk Atlanta. And Joe Person, who covers the Panthers for us. Those three guys, conversations with all of them, going to be featured on that show tomorrow. So please go check that out. And please come back on Monday to listen to our top 10 defenses show. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.